Hi, I'm David Green, and welcome to episode five of season 23 of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Today, we're going to go on a journey with Standard Bank Group to explore how they are successfully delivering workforce insights at scale. Joining me on this journey from Standard Bank Group are Ampi Swanipal, the head of Workforce Insights Value Management, and Werner Merbold, the head of Workforce Insights. We realized that uh, the ultimate beneficiary of people data is not the HR organization, uh, but people leaders. And, you know, who are basically responsible for leading their teams uh, to deliver on business goals and creating uh, a positive employee experience. So in order to do this well, they need to be empowered to become more data driven in their decision making process. Now, often these decisions need to be made in the moment, you know, and therefore you cannot afford that HR business partners or other centers of excellence uh, leaders become a bottleneck of providing access to relevant and timeless information. So it's, it's really key to have the business leader or the people leader as part of your strategy. As well as discussing the significance of empowering people leaders to become more data-driven, MP Werner and I will also cover how they got buy-in from the organisation to share workforce data to people leaders. We look at their shift from rear-view mirror reporting towards predictive workforce analytics. And we also examine how the combination of a data-driven Chief Human Resources Officer, an HR technology platform, and a team of meaningful workforce insights champions has helped Standard Bank Group deliver insights at scale. And there's a whole lot more too. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Ampi Swanipal, Head of Workforce Insights Value Management, and Werner Merbold, Head of Workforce Insights at Standard Bank Group to the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Ampi and Werner, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you for, for joining us. Um, could you start, Werner, please, by giving us a, a brief introduction both to Standard Bank and to your workforce analytics team and where it sits within the bank and with regard to the HR function? Sure. Hi, David. Thanks for having us. Just a little bit of um, context. Standard Bank is the largest bank by market capitalization on the African continent, which gives us approximately 50,000 employees across 27 countries. In terms of the structure, the workforce analytics team sits within the people and culture function under the leadership of the chief people officer, who directly reports back into the CEO again. One of the strategic objectives of the people and culture function is to be data-driven and insight-led. This makes us quite fortunate that people analytics is seen as a critical capability by senior leadership um, in the organization. We have a fairly small team of about 10 professionals at a group people and culture level, but the investment in Vizier, or what we call the Meaningful Workforce Insights Initiative, was seen as central to shaping our workforce of the future. Great. Well, thanks, Werner. That's some, that's some great, great scene setting there, I think. And it, it's great to have both you and Ampi on. I think you're the first company we've had joining us in the three years of the podcast that's, that's based in on the African continent. So it, it's, it's going to be great to learn how you're tackling uh, workforce analytics um, down there in, in South Africa on the same time zone as, as, as me as well. Ampi, I, I know the bank used to have its own homegrown people analytics tools and 
and that you made the decision roughly sort of three years ago to buy in a dashboarding uh, uh, platform instead. You know, before we get into the details of, of what you're currently doing, you know, what prompted the decision to change and, you know, what did you feel was lacking with the, with the homegrown tools that you developed? Hello, David, and uh, thank you for inviting us to share our journey with your audience today. Um, yes, although we were able to support the business um, at that stage, um, through the you know, use of traditional BI solutions to provide people data and accurate reporting, we realized that we had to take a different approach uh, to transform our capability to use data in a more strategic way. Our challenges centered around addressing three focus areas that, uh, that hindered the Workforce Insights team from delivering uh, optimal value. So firstly, we were largely providing backwards-looking reporting you know, and that lacked a future-orientated focus to guide people's decisions. We realized that the business decisions were being made on data that were largely, uh, you know, in the, in, in the past, you know, as we referred it to as kind of a rear-view mirror reporting. Furthermore, we, we needed to a way to connect the dots across the HR value chain, you know, and identify drivers of, of so-called outcome metrics, across areas like employee engagement, turnover, productivity, and diversity uh, in order to tell a more coherent story. Secondly, um, we were quite limited in terms of providing visibility of workforce insights to line managers, and that prevented critical people decisions to be, uh, to be properly informed. Typically, we would provide uh, monthly workforce reports, um, you know, to our human capital business partners through using, um, at that stage, ClickView. And the BPs would then spend time validating the reports and uh, formatting them before they actually would then, you know, almost like forward them to their to their uh, people leaders that they support. Now, this uh, laborious and cumbersome process needed uh, improvements uh, to ensure business partners spend their time on more kind of value-adding tasks. Thirdly, um, the inability to do workforce planning based on integrated people data at a more strategic level. You know, we, we realized that we, that we had to improve the ability to do scenario modeling and workforce planning. And um, this would really then help us to kind of manage our, our staff costs more effectively and, and to really understand what is required to set us up for, uh, for future growth. So I would say, David, these were the main reasons for us investing in our meaningful workforce insights capability. That's great. It's a really, really good backstory there, MP. And, and, and would it be fair to say that, you know, for organisations out there that are thinking of even getting started, by actually developing some of those homegrown tools, though, what you did do is you created some ap- more appetite and maybe some impetus that you could then build on and make the investment case for for bringing in an external uh, tool to support you with that. But that you identified that to provide the, the level of insights and to be able to scale them across the organisation to your second point, you know, to, to, to line managers, you needed to make that investment in, in a tool to support that. Yeah, I think it's so true. You know, you... You have to kind of do the the basics first, you know. So we had to to really make sure we um, we can we can actually get our data in one place, you know. So we we started off by you know building like a, a HR data warehouse, and fundamental to that process was actually just to get our organizational structure aligned. You would say that you know that's that's actually such a simple thing, but you know for an organization across. Um, you know, so many countries uh, that you have 
you know, the right business structures in place uh, that also kind of almost like a line between HR and finance. That was a that was a real you know I think win for us when we got that right. It's such an important step for so for so many organisations. Thanks, MP. So so Verna, so so you made the decision three years ago to make an investment. Can you explain the setup you now have in place and and what it gives you the meaningful workforce insights initiative? Two main things in place. Uh, firstly, obviously the meaningful workforce insights technology platform or the Vizier platform which provides, and I think like Ampi said, it's the most important thing, a single view of all people data in the organization. So everybody's on the same page. I think that's extremely um, important. It also allows us to deliver meaningful workforce insights at scale to multiple stakeholders, including the HR professionals, the people leaders, as well as other functions in the organization, such as finance, risk, compliance teams, um, and other teams in the organization. And then the second pillar, is the people analytics team consisting of our data scientists, our data visualization and storytelling professionals, and they are responsible to support business with more complex analytical initiatives um, and ensure that new business questions that come can be answered. As we mentioned earlier, we have a small team in the people um, and culture level, but our partnership model with champions in the various countries as well as business lines allow us to extend our reach into the entire organization. What would be great to understand, Werner, is you know, how does that interaction between the, the central team in, as you said, of around 10 professionals in group people and culture, how do they interact with the, um, the champions, the, the, the meaningful workforce insights champions in the business? It'd be good to get a sense of how that, how that works. Yeah, I mean, we work extremely closely with, with these teams um, on, on the ground almost on a daily basis. So we form part of the Exco teams, part of their Manco teams. Um, we sit in various decision-making forums t- together with them. It's obviously important to make sure that we train them well, that we set up learning paths. Um, and during that process, we identify people that really excel in reporting inside the business. They understand the business better than what we are. They are experts in, the, in their fields. So in some cases, especially if you're talking about something like the learning environment, it's highly complex. So we have to form these partnerships with them um, to be able to deliver quality analytics at the end of the day. And it's, it, I guess it provides that, that nice link then between, because obviously you said one of the, the reasons why you wanted to do, to invest in, in the technology in Vizia was because you wanted to scale some of these insights to managers in the business. So the the MWI champions, uh, they, they, they kind of provide that link between the central team and, and the business, I guess. So it all kind of flows together in a in a sort of nice triangle of, of business champions and, and people analytics professionals. Absolutely. I mean, we, we, you simply can't tackle something this big in such a large organization across so many diverse um, aspects and topics um, without forming a very strong partnership with them. Yeah, yeah, very good. Ampi, back to you. I, I know a really big driver, and we've, we've, we've talked about it already, really was being able to deliver those insights at, at scale, you know, and not just to HR either, but but to as many line managers as possible. It seems quite a simple and very sensible ambition, but why was that so important to you? What what drove that decision and what did you believe it would unlock for, for Standard Bank? Yes, as, as I've said earlier, you know, David, I think uh, one of the fundamental reasons for investing in this initiative was to to, to deliver you know uh, meaningful workforce insights at scale to the to the line managers. So so when we developed our 
what we call meaningful workforce insights value management strategy, we really thought deeply uh, of how to unlock the potential value of people analytics across the business. You know, we we realized that the, the ultimate beneficiary of people data is not the HR organization, uh, but people leaders. And you know, who are basically responsible for leading their teams uh, to deliver on business goals and creating uh, a positive employee experience. So in order to do this well, they need to be empowered to become more data-driven in their decision-making process. Now, often these decisions need to be made in the moment, you know, and therefore you cannot afford that HR business partners or other centers of excellence uh, leaders become a bottleneck of providing access to relevant and timeless information. So it's it's really key to have the business leader or the people leader as part of your uh, strategy. When we come back in just a moment, Ampi and Werner provide insight into why it is important to have data-driven people leaders and how they got buy-in from the organization to share their workforce analytics with people leaders. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Vizia. The well-being of employees and of business are intertwined. Keeping tabs on both means empowering people leaders with critical insights for the benefit of all. Vizia provides the insights you need to see your people and your business clearly. Vizia has 15,000 customers in 75 countries around the world, including enterprises like Adobe, BASF, Bridgestone, Electronic Arts, McKesson, Merck, Uber, and more. Learn more at vizier.com. That's V-I-S-I-E-R.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders Podcast and my conversation with Ampi Swanipal and Werner Mobold of the Standard Bank Group. So who decides what individual managers can see, both what they need to see, but what will help them benefit from the insights as well? Such a good question. And probably one of the most difficult things that, that we tackled, you know, in, in rolling out this solution to, to the business. As Ampi mentioned, you know, we need to get the data to the people leaders hands so when it comes to access management or permission to people data philosophy has always been to provide people leaders with full access to people data for the employees within their reporting hierarchy so typically a line manager will have aggregate access to data for the business areas they form part of and they will be able to see the detailed data only for the teams that they manage. For example, performance ratings, uh, employee demographics, leave and compensation information. As we roll out modules, we do consult what we call center of excellence leads for the functional areas, such as reward or learning or performance management, where we decide exactly what access rights to give on every data subject. When it comes to sensitive data elements, such as individual salary data, we will then seek ratification from, for instance, the People and Culture Stratco team. As an example, we currently expose salary data only to senior people leaders. We obviously also apply restrictions to personal data as governed by, for instance, the Poppy Act. Yeah, and I guess it's an ongoing 
process because a you're dealing with from an external basis different jurisdictions that you're operating obviously as a global organization you've got new regulations coming into certain territories or certain countries all the time so i guess you you continually having to to kind of review that that situation yes absolutely and and as we roll out more modules it obviously becomes more complex because you sort of merge these two different um entities together so you might have uh, performance data on the one side and compensation data on the other side and now the question is how can you add value by combining these two and who should have access to to that information you can't just simply now all of a sudden expose that to the same people that have had access to performance management data as an example what is a complex situation becomes less complex by the fact that you're basically channeling all that information through one system exactly yeah so so we've built in parallel to that um quite a complex permission-driven um, engine that we've linked into MWI, and that helps us to, to roll out the, the solution to everybody in the organization. And just to clarify for listeners, when you hear MWI, that's the initiative that, that Standard Bank have, Meaningful Workforce Insights. I've, I've learned that during a, the last sort of 15, 20 minutes or so we've been talking. Um, so, so MP, I, I know that people listening to, to this podcast and, and know from the organizations that, that we're working with at Insight 222 and speaking to as well, they would love their analytics or insights to be as in, in front of as many line managers in their organization as possible and not to remain hidden away either within the people analytics team itself or HR. So I guess a big question and something I think would help listeners as well. How did you get the buy-in for this initiative in such a large organisation? You know, where do you start in getting the right people on board? So, so yes, our, our value management framework and, and adoption drive was, was based on what we call the building a guiding coalition amongst the various stakeholder groups. You know, so um, in our attempt to raise awareness and get the buy-in initially, um, we took some of the, you know, usual steps, you know, that would be familiar to, to many, you know, um, like finding the right project sponsors, you know, making sure that, as Werner was also saying, we have those internal champions in place. Um, but I think what we, what we really um, thought quite, quite deeply about was, was to say, you know, let's, let's make sure we can segment our line manager community properly. We tried to understand the different personas and how they could benefit from people analytics. So our line management community numbers around 9,500 people. Um, and that's like 500 people managing large teams, uh, 2,500 managing medium-sized teams, and then a further 6,500 managers uh, that, that really are almost like team leaders or very small teams. So, so although people, leaders have similar needs for data, um, it is important to understand that what is relevant for a, for a chief uh, executive of a large business or a country might not be important for a branch manager that's leading a small team. Well, what we did is uh, we, we created a bit of a rhythm where the Meaningful Workforce Insight solution um, was first exposed to the HR community uh, to ensure they become uh, familiar with the subject areas and metrics. Um, so we almost like always decided, you know, they should be, you know, really familiar before we, we take it to the line managers. But, you know, we didn't give them a lot of chance. You know, we, we gave them like a, a two-month head uh, start. So then we began a phase of communication and engagement with the line managers. Now, this phase consisted uh, basically of of just getting them started. So 
The first thing was to just getting the managers registered on Vizier, you know, building awareness, how to use the solution whilst leaning on these embedded champions. But what we did is we, we constantly tracked usage among the various um, stakeholder groups and, and including the line managers. So that was like the first, the first step. Then the other pillar was uh, securing ongoing engagement. We really made use of a series of coordinated nudges. So uh, we tried to understand, you know, what are the topics that are hot, you know, or um, really relevant for the line managers. And that could be around wellness, could be around leave management that are really important, um, you know, from a priorities, uh, business priority perspective. So, so we also shared workforce insights, uh, which were really almost like basic success stories from the early adopters um, with the line manager community on a constant basis. Um, so, you know, I think what, what we did realize is um, it is a constant marketing and selling approach that you need to have. You know, it, it is not something that the line managers will just sit and wait uh, to, you know, think, you know, we've got time now and they, they now need to kind of access the line manager uh, solution. You know, you really need to make sure that you are um, focusing on, on on business priorities. I mean, you raise a number of important points there, MP, I think that I think really important for, for listeners as they're looking to build people analytics in their own organizations. You know, I think the first one is around marketing. There is an element that you can't just expect people to to, to use things. You need to to coach them, to guide them, you need to segment it as you as you've done by looking at the the different line managers as as different groups there. Uh, there's a huge piece around managing stakeholders. I mean, uh, you know, when Jonathan and I were writing the the book, um, you know, stakeholder management, effective stakeholder management is 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 one of the nine dimensions in our model. Um, you know, and if we think about the myriad of different stakeholders that we manage um, in people analytics, from senior HR leaders through to C-level uh, people on the board, but also some of the adjacent uh, functions as well, such as finance, such as IT, works councils in certain countries as well. There's a whole myriad of stakeholders that we need to manage within people analytics. And of course, one of those <laughs> um, is the chief people officer, you know, and, you know, to a, to take, you know, does this kind of large scale adoption only work if you have certain key figures convinced of its merits first? You're fortunate you have a very data-driven chief people officer in Standard Bank. Is it as simple as needing the right people to get on board first? Yeah, I would, I would agree that uh, pivotal to the success is the sponsorship of the initiative by, senior, uh, you know, by the senior business leadership team. It's, that is critical. Uh, in our case, um, it started when we were seeking approval to invest in the solution. Our chief people officer you know, presented the business case and the investment required to the senior leadership team. And each of the executive leadership actually had to sign off on the initiative. So they fully understood not only what the benefits were going to be, but also, you know, what the, the, the costs uh, involved and what the investment required. And I think that's so important, um, you know, that, that, you, that you get that, that right. So, so it certainly helps if you have the support of the senior leadership team uh, to ensure the people leaders down the line adopt people analytics. But I think we need, as I said earlier, to recognize that your line managers or people leaders have so many priorities, you know, to attend to. And it is unrealistic 
uh, to think that it will be top of mind for them all the time. Therefore, one need to ensure that the workforce insights provided uh, to people leaders speak to the business priorities. And you need to support them in the moments that matter to them. So as an example, you know, we recently used our um, Meaningful Workforce Insights solution as a key enabler uh, to support the business to prepare uh, to return to the office. The organization introduced a mandatory uh, vaccination policy in December 2021, uh, which required all employees to disclose their vaccination status uh, by uh, April 2022. The initial response to comply to this policy wasn't great. You know, um, at the beginning of February, close to 30,000 of the workforce in South Africa did not yet declared their status or raised an objection. Um, so the Workforce Insights team identified this as a key opportunity to use people analytics uh, to support the business in this challenge. So uh, approximately 4,000 line managers were provided with a focused online analysis and nudges informing them who in their teams still had to uh, upload their vaccination certificates or, um, or lodge um, uh, objections. So that was a huge task, you know, and, and what the business decided is we are not going to drive this through the HR community. We're going to drive this through the business leaders. So in just over six weeks, line managers enabled by this focus people analytics solution ensured that uh, 99% of the workforce responded to the vaccination disclosure process. So this is for me just an example of a very successful deployment of, of people analytics and, and how it could be used as an as a enabler in the business. Such, such a powerful example because clearly it was a key business priority for the organization to, to understand this so, so they could actually, as you say, return to the office safely and within the guidelines as, as well. And a, and a great way to get senior leaders on board about the power of, of, of people analytics. So a really powerful example, MP. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge and press play on your career. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Ampi Swanipol and Werner Merbold. In this section, we continue to discuss their recent shift towards predictive workforce insights. Werner, in the introduction, you, you talked about, you know, one of the reasons why you, you wanted to shift from, from the home-built solution that, that you'd made to the Vizier solution was to, to kind of get away from just having rear-view reporting so I'd love to hear a bit, little bit more about that, that shift between that, that kind of review uh, reporting and what you're trying to gain around more present data and, and predictive insights. You know, 
Can the tech that you're using now help model future scenarios, for example? I think predictive insights is definitely um, probably the biggest ambition that, that we're striving for. I wouldn't say we're there yet, um, but we definitely have a few examples that I'll share with you um, just on how we use this MWI solution to provide a more forward-looking view to business. The first one was predicting resignations. I think like most companies, we are seeing rising turnover rates, um, particularly in specific specialized functions in, in the business. The fact that we have integrated employee data across the HR value chain within the single platform allows us to leverage the predictor capabilities within Visia to identify drivers um, and attributes linked to employee turnover. So this allows us to obtain a view of how many employees are likely to resign over the next year. Another example is cost optimization. We are able to model cost optimization scenarios based on certain business assumptions across various dimensions just by leveraging the workforce planning capability of our MWI solution. Some other examples are diversity planning, um, you know, how we improve our female representation, um, and then things like impact of promotion, turnovers, hires, et cetera, just to influence the shape of the organization. And again, so good. It's so important to have that, that kind of tool in your toolbox, I guess, because ultimately people analytics is about answering the most important business priorities that the organization has. And, Sometimes, you know, look at giving them data that, that's current or, or even sometimes past data, such as understanding, you know, where it, where attrition could be a problem in your organization is important. But then it's great to have that capability that you can put predictive models in place to, to kind of get people onto a page of what might happen and what actions you can take to either prevent that or or, 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 or make it happen even even more likely, depending on, on, on what it is you're trying to predict. Um, so, Werner, you know, you know, and obviously all that has a, has a can have a positive impact on the business. So let, let's talk about the impact on the business and, and the value to the business of investing in this, this data-driven approach of meaningful workforce insights that initiative that you have. Are, are you able yet to point to significant improvements or, or impacts on the business's overall health? Yeah, no, we, we definitely can. I mean, examples like what Ampe mentioned earlier as well. I mean, that's got a direct impact on the business. We could immediately see, you know, the change and the impact um, for instance, on that on that COVID vaccination drive, it's still early days, um, but we're seeing some encouraging signs. People metrics from part of um, the group-wide value driver scorecard are now linked to remuneration plans of senior leaders. Uh, so these metrics include things like employee turnover, um, engagement, diversity, learning, and productivity measure. So over the last few years, we've seen a positive trend in, for instance, our ENPS scores, our women representation at senior manager level, uh, management of leave and employee well-being. Uh, and we attribute this to greater awareness of people metrics across the business and providing leaders with visibility on how they track against these metrics. For me, the most encouraging sign is the level of the questions that we're getting. You know, business are asking more and more pertinent questions and they're becoming more and more data-driven um, in the way that they approach their, their business. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, as you said, that's a, that's a really good sign that that this is landing well. Um, you know, and it's, it's a journey, isn't it? You know, the, you know, the more work you do, the, the more powerful the questions that you're trying to answer, the bigger the impact that, that we're potentially going to have with people analytics uh, uh, in the organisation. 
what would be great is this is this is a question we're asking um, everyone on this series, and I think Verna, you're going to take this one. You know, what do you believe to be the sort of two to three areas that that, that HR will will really need to to do well to, to to add more business value as as we hopefully start to come out of the pandemic. Top of mind is I would say firstly understanding what is required to optimally manage a hybrid working environment. I mean, the jury is still out on what the best approach is. But providing the leaders with data on how their teams work, how they collaborate, um, identify potential areas of burnout, for instance, and data on productivity levels uh, is absolutely essential to ensure that we can get back to work in an optimal way. Secondly, I would say effective workforce planning um, is key capability required by HR. The ability to model these scenarios that we spoke about and allowing Areas like finance and HR functions to collaborate in a more agile way will become more and more important to ensure organizations can respond to an increasing competitive business environment. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, to highlight the hybrid work piece, I think it's really important because there's an argument we've just come out, or we're coming out, hopefully, of the sort of two plus year experiment around remote work. We're now moving, translating to an experiment around hybrid work. And I think it'll be fascinating. We're seeing a lot of organizations now starting to bring workforce and workplace data together. So kind of understanding the in a hybrid environment, how a workplace is being used uh, and how should we maybe reconfigure our workplaces to, to really drive things such as collaboration and innovation, if that's what people are going to come together to, to do more often. So I think, uh, you know, really, uh, really good. to, And it'd be great to have a conversation maybe in a sort of 18 months time and understand, you know, what you found um, around the hybrid workplace. Verna Ampi, thank you so much for being on the show. Really enjoy learning uh, about your journey on, on Meaningful Workforce Insights uh, at Standard Bank. Um, you know, can you each of you, I'll start with you, Ampi. Can, can you let listeners know how they can stay in touch with you, uh, follow you on social media, find out more about your work? Come to you first, Ampi, and then and then Vernon, you can finish off. Yeah, very welcome, um, David. You know, I'm, I'm active on, on LinkedIn, so I think um, that's probably the best place to contact me. Um, also happy that, uh, that that you share my email address, um, you know, and, and that people contact me via via that as well. So very happy to do that, and and you know to learn from uh, from other uh, organisations as well. We're very keen to collaborate. And Verna, how how can uh, how can people stay in touch with you? Presumably LinkedIn as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely the same way LinkedIn or. Um... I prefer email, so direct contact. They're more than welcome to to contact me on on email. Werner MP, it's um, been great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for sharing the, the Standard Bank journey uh, with listeners of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. And uh, hopefully at some point, I'll get down to South Africa and meet you both in person. That'll be fantastic. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again to my guests, Ampi Swanipol and Werner Merbold. If you did enjoy listening, please do rate the show with five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with your friends and colleagues via social media. We rely on your feedback and support to keep being able to make the podcast. For more from us at Insight 222, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter by going to myhrfuture.com. We'll be back next week for the first episode of Series 24, where I'll be having an insightful conversation with Jennifer Moss 
on her book, The Burnout Epidemic, and the actions people leaders can take to tackle employee burnout. Until then, stay safe, stay well, and take care.